Welcome to Wake Up with Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, your source for helpful information, advice, and tips to live your life in a mindful way in this increasingly chaotic world. For over four decades, Dr. Douglas has been teaching people how to develop their intuition and live their lives in a conscious way. His news and views of the world tomorrow today are always informative and revealing. To learn more about Dr. Douglas, be sure to visit his website, douglasjamescottrell.com, where you can download self-help exercises you can do right in the comfort of your own home. And now here's your host, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today, I have a wonderful and amazing person, Esther Ogart, who is going to talk about her life story and how she achieved great success and where she is. She's a world traveler, and she's speaking to us somewhere in Europe now. I think it's Turkey. She's on the move, and we're going to find out where she's going here and there. And God bless you for being here all in one piece. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, and uh, we look forward to finding out more about the uh, your wonderful book, Money Does Grow on Trees. And uh, I'm I'm interested in that, of course, our whole audience is. But more importantly, when you started out in life, did you ever think you were going to be where you are now, a world traveler with a successful business and a book and a wonderful husband? How did it start out for you? No, I mean, I was always, let's say, a believer of fairy tales. But since I was always told that what I believe is a fairy tale, I wasn't quite sure I was going to get there, but I could say with much confidence that pretty much eventually it took uh, a long journey. I got into a fairy tale in regarding to every single department of my life. Wow. Well, tell us how you got to on your fairy tale. <laughs> I, know, I know yoga was part of it. Yeah. I know uh, you were doing some little uh, searches for your soulmate. And, you know, tell us about your life. You were at UCLA and you have a, uh, a bachelor's degree. So, you know, you're a smart lady. Tell us about it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, um, my father, uh, he was a diplomat, a Turkish diplomat. So I kind of, um, from the get-go, lived in a different country every four years of my life, which was wow. on the one hand, very beautiful, very cult, you know, cult, uh, cultural, very colorful. But on the other hand, growing up, it was really kind of hard because every four years especially when you're moving back and forth between Turkey and Europe, between Muslim schools and Christian schools, you know, you're all the time having these changing values. Uh, what is great in one place is like a terrible thing to do in another place and vice versa. So <clears throat> although those um, times were very confusing, in a way very ungrounded, um, not at all feeling safe, and all those kind of feelings at the same time, I think it was a great training ground to see how much all of our lives and the way we live, whether it's individually or culturally or as a country, what we call reality is basically a construct of our perception. So I got kind of introduced, let's say, into the mastery of that through the style of my life very early on. Uh, I was a great lover of America because I loved everything the Constitution was about, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of thought. And of course, when you come from a, you know, Muslim culture, there's less of that. So I made up my mind, I'm going to America no matter what. My parents were completely against it. They didn't allow it. I had hardly any money. I had about $2,000 saved. 
And I found a scholarship at UCLA because there's no other way I could come. Even the scholarship and studying film was a part of just being able to get to the States. I had to find a thing that I couldn't do in Turkey. So it would be a good argument to my parents as to why I have to end up in America. Anyway, that didn't work either. Um, but yeah, I just grabbed my $2,000 and just, you know, showed up in Los Angeles, California. Wow. Leap started of faith. there. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so listen, when you're traveling around, how many languages do you speak? Or did you pick up? You must have had some so, um, just, you know, my English is pretty good, as you can see, um, a little bit of Spanish, which, you know, I forgot, like, I'm definitely not fluent in Spanish. And um, because I was, you know, forced to learn every single language, I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to learn. I was too busy just trying to make it in all these different cultures. So, uh, you know, of course, I understand very quickly different languages. But yeah, just just to Okay, well, I asked that. Well, I've tried once. Uh, Turkish. I've tried. Yeah, your English is very well, very. Uh, and uh, I've I've traveled quite a bit myself, so you know, time differences, cultures, as you said, what's acceptable in one place is not, you know, it's taboo in another. So, uh, well said for people who haven't traveled as much as you, uh, it's something to consider. And here you are on your own, uh, determined to come to America, two thousand dollars in your hand. And you come all this way, you didn't know anybody, you had no support. You are a brave gal. Holy moly. Thank you. you. Thank you so much. So what happened on that first day? Let's just take you back a little bit. When, when you when you arrived, what happened that first day? Well, it was really, it was really interesting actually that you asked that specific question because, you know, when I was in Turkey and you know, I would go to school here, we would have these ceremonies just before we started school where, you know, you have to stand like a soldier and, you know, pay respects to the flag and all these things. And I never kind of liked doing that, those ceremonies. And um, I'll never forget as I was landing in LAX, it was uh, sunset. It was, it was just this most beautiful orange color, orange, yellow color. And I felt so victorious about making my dream finally come true, which was a story within itself, which ties into actually how we create our reality, which maybe I'll get into later. But anyway, as soon as I landed and I was going through the passport control, I saw the American flag and I just started bawling. I don't know what came over me. I was just like crying so hard that the passport person was so worried about me. You know, he's like saying, ma'am, are you okay? Are you okay? And I couldn't really like explain because I didn't know what was going on. So it was a very, very kind of, um, I don't know, as if I'm coming home, as if I'm coming somewhere familiar, although I had never even stepped foot on the continent as a tourist. So that was my first uh, happy well, arrival. I find that amazing, <laughs> Esther. I, absolutely amazing. But I know you look at the flag and all those ideas of freedom. And from, I suspect, a, as a young lady, an attractive lady and an ambassador's child, you had to be uh, minding your P's and Q's, as we say, your manners. And you were always under scrutiny. And, uh, you know, probably, you know, you know, a lot of authoritarian stuff for a young lady. And so when you, when you, when you hear you are all by yourself, all alone, first day, and, and, oh my God, you have this emotional, I can just see the, the uh, customs officer saying, what's the matter? 
<laughs> what, what, what did <laughs> <Exactly>. we do? <laughs> like, what did we do? Yeah, how did we offend her? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no offense, none, none, none whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was very, you know, the expected um, thing in the East and let's say countries, again, predominantly Muslim ones, you know, there's kind of a set way that your life should be. You know, you go to school, you graduate, you do well, and then you find a husband and then you get married and then you have children. And that I knew that wasn't for me. So, um, and I really, I think, wanted to prove to myself that I can make it on my own. So that's why, you know, instead of having the comfy life I could have had in Turkey, I was just dead set to just see what I can do just on my own. Uh, which now in retrospect was like one of the most empowering steps I took in my life. But of course, it wasn't easy. I was going no. to school, UCLA, studying film, trying to work in the film business. Not much was happening. And at such a young age, 23, 24, as you said, you know, not much. I didn't know anybody. Uh, and it got hard after a while. So I went to the opposite direction of drugs and alcohol and, you know, kind of, you know, for a while really lost myself. And, um, and then there came a point where I realized that I had a lot of healing to do. Uh -huh. And I realized, I think I was maybe by that time, 25, 26, I can't remember, but early twenties. Um, and I realized that with the amount of turmoil going on inside of me, there's no way I'm going to make it in the world or be successful or be happy. So although some great stuff happened in the business world where I got to, you know, work with Oliver Stone, you know, some stuff did start eventually after many years happening. I just, you know, made a choice where I said, you know, I'm either going to like not continue period the way I'm feeling this miserable or my life has to change ASAP. And the minute I made that decision, and in our system, we call it a being choice. When with all of your being, you decide what it is very clearly that you're going to belong to or not belong to. Immediately the next day, I found Kundalini Yoga. I was just wow. walking, you know, just walking around. I mean, I really, I said, either my life is over, not that I would have dared to take my own life, but, you know, it was like that kind of a decision, or... My life is changing 180 degrees now. And the next day, I remember because of stuff that was going on, I was walking around the block crying and I saw this red brick, you know, building. And I was like, oh, interesting. I wonder what they do here. I went in. It was Kundalini Yoga. I did my first class. I bawled my eye. My eyes were just like full of tears, bawling my eyes out. And that was the beginning of my healing journey. Well, in my world i'm thinking there you were uh, going through a crisis and you started to move you went out you were walking and kind of your maybe spiritual subconscious super subconscious and you are uh, is working and you arrive at this building with no intention no preconceived notion nothing you just kind of let the universe guide you and you had this amazing uh, yeah. experience. Exactly. I mean, I love that saying in English, uh, when you're ready, the teacher shows up. And I say, when you're ready, the universe shows up. Each and every time. It never misses a beat. Well, as you know, many people 
are going through times and you counsel them. And I'm going to ask you about how you and your husband help people this way. But you're on the same path that people now who come to you are on. And so you have experience. And through that experience, you have the wisdom. Plus, you have this spiritual side of you that's uh, developing and has developed. And obviously, I'm just sitting here listening to your story and thinking what what a courageous person you are, but how you met your destiny. And you knew you had to had to be where you were uh, at that point in time and end up at that yoga studio. So tell us, how did you get from there to helping people and then writing this amazing book that money does grow on trees? Well, thank you so much. Well, Kundalini Yoga really kind of, let's say, um, healed me um, emotionally because its vibration is really so high as a technique um, that doing that day in and day out and day in and day out really kind of, let's say, brought me back from feeling dead. It brought, brought me back to life. But just because I was feeling better and my frequency had like gone up compared to where it was before, meaning on the floor, um, it didn't mean that my life got any easier. So I was having amazing money problems, uh, having a hard time paying rent. Uh, you know, besides doing yoga and beginning to slowly teach yoga, I kind of was really, really struggling with with money. Mm-hmm. And um Again, I made a being choice. And by being choice, again, you know, people think that we solve our problems through doing, you know, do we're taught from school, do have be. But interestingly enough, the opposite for manifesting for creating the opposite formula is necessary, which is be out of that state of beingness act. And then you will have. So I had just recently met my boyfriend now my husband and I realized I'm in my mid-30s and if I you know decided to have a baby with him I couldn't even afford to have a baby and and this whole idea was so ridiculous to me all of a sudden that um, I'll never forget the day and the moment where I got up from the sofa and again I made a decision which we call a being choice and I said I am never ever going to experience money problems again soon after I met my mentor and um, and what was, I mean, this story is really interesting because he pretty much figured me out through two questions in the very first session. Really? And yeah. What and were those his, questions? <laughs> well, he was like, so he basically, you know, I told him how, you know, even if I'm successful, like working with Oliver Stone, as I was in the past, like money never seems to come, always there's some sort of a problem. So he said to me, Esther, just figure out, you know, whatever is your first story that you made up in your relationship to money. And just, of course, it wasn't the simple, you know, he asked a series of questions with a certain technique until I, bam, got into the memory of being seven years old. And I'm sitting in the living room. Um, I have grown ups, my grandparents as friends, and they're all talking about the concept of a girl who was very young, got married to a very older doctor. And they're saying, well, great. She did really well. She did a good marriage. She married for money. Women should marry for money. Uh-oh. Women who marry for love are stupid. <laughs> uh-oh. Uh-oh. They shouldn't marry for money. And I'm like, as a seven-year-old listening to all of this, and I get kind of really mad and I get really anxious. 
And I go to the bathroom and I look at the mirror and I say, and this is how we create our belief systems, our own myths that later on create us. I very specifically stood in front of the mirror and I said, I will always follow the way of love and I will never follow the way of money. Oh so my basically, God. in my psyche, I split or I created a belief system that money and love don't go together. And I made a decision as to what I'm going to belong. So when I, when I re-remembered the seven-year-old girl's decision about money, I was just so blown away as to how successfully I had experienced up to the uh, up to my mid-30s. I was at like 32, 33 at this point. How successfully that scenario had been created in my life. And that was such a bam awakening of empowerment for me because it made me realize none of us are victims at any point in time. We're all experiencing scenarios or myths that we have created. And life is nothing but a perfect, you know, theater with the perfect decor and the perfect actors providing to us the myths that we've created. So my whole issue with money what I didn't like that I rejected, interestingly enough, became my biggest kind of point of awakening, the biggest problem. Well, and as soon as I saw my myth and I said, oh, my God, you know, a seven year old is like controlling my entire financial life. I said, you know, no way. And then from then on, with that, no way. And of course, a couple of other things, just prosperity started flowing. Because it was just the mindset that needed to change. We'll be right back after a short break. The Douglas James Cockrell website is where you can learn much more about this amazing man and his journey through a lifetime of spiritual prophecy. The book Secrets of Life answers questions everyone has about the physical versus the spiritual world, why you are here in the world right now, karma, psychic abilities, reincarnation, prayer, and much more about universal laws. This book is essential for those who really desire to follow the path of the divine to soul perfection. Douglas has been chosen to provide you with a keen insight into the purpose of life's journey. Best-selling author Robert Appel says, the least you can expect from Dr. Cottrell's work is that it will change your life. Go to douglasjamescottrell.com and click on Shop for Secrets of Life and all of his books and learning materials. Just before the break, you were talking about uh, a seven-year-old child looking in the mirror and basically, basically listening to authorities, parents, and by believing what they said or resisting what they said, sabotaging your financial uh, livelihood for the rest of your life up until your mid-30s. And then amazingly, you have this mentor who, in a short order, somehow you get back to that point. And that original wounding, you see it, you recognize it, and then that determination kicks in again. You know, here's that that uh, extra uh, determination. 
and and you you strike out in a new path, it obviously is successful. So now you have a business coaching and helping people. And tell us about that. Well, um, you know, when our lives and the same thing happened to my husband, we actually back then boyfriend, girlfriend, we were being ment- mentored by the same coach, same transformational coach. And we actually studied with him for 20 years. So it was a very, oh. very long mentoring every week, every week, every week. Well, what happened is the more we understood how our belief systems that we have chosen to believe, um, you know, we can call it a wounding and sometimes it's not even a wounding. It's just simple decisions that we make as children about life. Mm -hmm. You know, we see our parents interact and maybe we create a story about what marriage is or, uh, whatever it is, you know, we look at finances and we say, oh, this is what finance is. If if my father is working too hard, let's say, and he's not ever present at home and loving at home, then, oh, maybe finances, you know, kills freedom, right? So you come to a conclusion, you arrive at a conclusion, and that becomes, you know, your story about how you interact and create that thing. So the more we could with awareness, see our limitations with, you know, with my husband being coached together, the more our lives got freed up. And because people could see that example, then clients began to flow in. And basically in our coaching, you know, the major thing that we do is show people who have a problem, who have a struggle, or who just simply want to do better get them to discover their own belief systems, their own database, their own library. And when you can get the person to see for themselves, instead of giving the person the answers, because the answers aren't within us, it's within that person, that's the empowerment point. When they do the discovery, when they see the coding, the library, then they become freed up to change it as they please. And it's actually kind of very easy. Well, it's believable too. I mean, it comes from within. And just like you had that revelation moment of going back and and seeing yourself as a child at seven years of age, I think that's pretty powerful. And when you coach people or you help people that way, it's I guess it accelerates their healing, helps them to be motivated the same in the same way or fashion that you and your husband were. But tell us how that works and how can people get in contact with you? Oh, thank you. Um, Should I give you one more example or tell you how to get in contact? More examples. Because I'm getting an inspired example. You just just go right ahead. Keep giving us the examples. (laughs) I don't know. I don't want to. These are great stories. Yeah, because I do want to give a technique that maybe people can, you know, uh, try at home. Um, Maybe it works, you know, while they're trying it at home. Now, when we have a problem we usually see it as a problem, like a problem that somehow we're struggling with that we can't solve. That's not always the best way to look at a problem. Because we co-create our own reality, we're kind of like mini gods creating our own reality. Rather than looking at the problem as a problem, it's a good idea to look at the problem as a potential benefit. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying, oh, you know, why can't I create more finances? I I want to learn how to create more finances. The better question to ask the self is, what's my gain in keeping myself away from finances? What's the benefit? Okay? Okay. 
For example, um, a friend of mine who was claiming that she for 20 years has gone to workshops and uh, a friend of mine that was living in Turkey while I was living in the States, that she hadn't really, you know, gotten anywhere with it, that she'll just accept her situation. I said, you know, instead of thinking of it like you can't, you can't, why don't you look at it as maybe you don't want as much money as you think you want? She's like, don't be ridiculous. So I put her into a visualization where she's making lots of money. So if you have a goal, like, I don't know, getting married, having a relationship, creating more finances, or even healing, put yourself into that visualization. Not to create, though. Put yourself into that virtual reality and search for what you're allergic to. What actually makes you kind of like, ugh, when you put yourself into the so-called wanted thing. So in her case, she was like, don't be silly. Of course, I want money. I'm like, okay, you know what? Just close your eyes. So I put her into this huge scenario where she's so prosperous. She has all this property. She doesn't even need to work because she's getting so much, you know, money from her rent. Um, this is supposedly what she wants. She just began sweating and sweating and sweating and sweating and sweating. Wow. And I'm like, you know, and she starts taking off the jacket and I'm like, okay, there we go. So what's going on? And she's like, oh my God, I just feel so much shame. And I'm like, ah, interesting money, shame. Supposedly uh -huh. you want it, but you're feeling so much shame. Okay, let's go a little deeper. What is the thought that you're having that's creating the emotion of shame? Because every emotion we have is like a blueprint of whatever thought pattern we have going on behind. So as soon as she could connect to the emotion, immediately the belief system came through. And her specific belief system was, if I have more, others will have less because of me. Oh, my gosh. Okay. It's a very a typical pattern. <laughs> it's one of the typical ones out there. Really? And then further, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, let's be good. Let's all share, you know, because there's like not enough to go around. So if I take more, others will suffer because of me. And then what will that make you a bad person? And, and that's very common. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I know people uh, sometimes don't want to make more than their friends. So they kind of conform, you know, they and they give money away because they don't want people to say, who do they think they are? They think they're, you know, with money that they're, and then of course there are people who go the other way around. They just spend the money ridiculously and they, they end up back where they started from. But that's a new one that, that people will feel so ashamed, to, at least to me, a new one that people will feel ashamed because they had more than other people. But that makes perfect sense to me, you know? Well, Whatever. if you feel the shame, that's why she hadn't manifested much in her life. You see what I mean? Like keep yourself small because you don't want to be the bad person because that's a, you know, belief system. But there are as many belief systems as, as there people, yeah. But for all these uh, motivational books about the the law of manifestation, the law of attraction, and you know, there's now a new law out. It's called the <laughs> uh, I, uh, I think his name is uh, John St. Paul. He has a new book out called not Affirmations, but Affirmations. And it's kind of similar to what you're saying. But uh, that was, to me, a, a very important point that people would be ashamed to be rich 
or to make money because they might be taking away from somebody else. So do you want to follow up on that? And I, I think you have another example or two you might be able to help us out with uh, understanding that. Yeah, I mean, there, as, as I said, there's as many different myths as there are people. So um, this, this is just one, you know, one reason where people don't choose to manifest is when they have an unconscious belief system, um, you know, where they feel, again, it comes from the, even the below belief system underneath that is that money sources are limited. So if we believe money resources are limited, and we don't believe like, there is unlimited abundance, like in nature, uh, in the world, in the universe, and we believe the sources are limited, then there's like two things, two directions we're going to go. Think of it as a little cake that comes, you know, there's only 10 pieces. Either you're going to be the greedy one, because there isn't enough, you're going to want to eat all the slices before anybody else gets their hands on it, or you're going to do the opposite. You're going to be like, oh, let me take the smallest piece and let me take as, you know, maybe just one bite because I want everyone at the table to eat. You know, so one looks like a really kind of the bad guy and the other one looks like, oh, such a nice, sweet person. But regardless of the, let's say, character or the projection, the underneath belief system isn't even dissimilar. It's the exact same one. Money sources are limited. So all I'm saying here is, yeah, we make up our own stories about what one what something is and exactly according to that belief system the manifestation happens so this whole idea of like oh i have to learn how to manifest no you don't have to learn how to manifest you already know how to manifest you're doing it every second of your life but instead of all the time going after what you want to manifest first see how you're manifesting the unwanted because there's mm-hmm. a great amount of information there I love that. That is amazing. That's wisdom. Really, people should pay attention. Say that again. Okay. <laughs> I was saying that, um, you know, instead of everyone being so gun ho about like, oh, let me manifest this and let me manifest that, as if it's something that you need to learn from a book. No, we are all in, for me, my belief is that we're all, you know, the universe individualized. So the power that's going through us every single one of us doesn't matter our culture it doesn't matter our education as a potential is the same how we use it is a different thing that's a personal choice but as a potential we're all a part of that infinite you know wisdom and ability and ability to create ability to manifest but people are so busy trying to learn it trying to you know create what they want they're not looking at what they're creating today. (laughs) Like, how are you creating the limitation? How are you creating the disease? How are you creating the lack of prosperity? Because when you wake up to that, it's such a self-discovery. When you see it's not because of the economy, it's not because of your parents, it's not because you, you know, you got the, dealt the unlucky cards. No, it has nothing to do with any of it except you. It's a great moment of, let's say, rude awakening. (laughs) Well, you know, it, you know, truth is a bitter pill to swallow, that's for sure. But you just hit on something that I think many, many people ought to know. It's what are you manifesting now that's preventing you to go or get where you want to go or get? I mean, that's so simple and yet so profound. 
money does grow on trees. Tell us a little bit about that. There's got to be a, a ton of wisdom in that book. This Thank is you. Really, really good to know. Well, um, money does go on trees. Uh, when I first came up with the name, I thought I was so original. I was so happy. And then by the time it came um, on on Amazon, there was about 20 other books with the same <laughs> name. So thank God, in brackets, I put the myths that we create and live by. So, um, yeah, we have a certification program. We have workshops and our certification program that at the moment we're mostly doing it for Turkish people. It lasts about a a year and a half. So it's kind of like a school, but the results we've had been, has been like so amazing, so profound that um, I was like, you know what, even if it's just like one tiny little bit of it, I need to put this into a book. So it's kind of a long book. <laughs> it has a lot of exercises to make the most of it, it needs your interaction because nothing just happens by reading. You know, knowledge, you know, is cool, but it's, it doesn't mean anything until it becomes and transforms into consciousness. So there's exercises there. Um, and I put like little pieces of actually what we do in our certification uh, course. How do we find our limiting belief systems? How do we wake up to how we're creating the problem? which I think is very important. I really do How, too. I yeah. think that's an excellent point. Yeah, it's, it's a different perspective, I know. Um, how do we um, learn to manage our ego? How the ego is not an enemy. It's actually a very important function. And if we can see it as a function instead of as an enemy, then we can get very good at managing it. You know, understanding the separation between us and ego. Because when those get confused, it's a bit of a problem. That's a really good point. I put it this way. People come to me and as a counselor and they say, I want to kill my ego. And I said, why would you want to do that? Well, you know, it's preventing me. It's this and that. I said, no, you don't misunderstand. There is a difference between self-esteem and being egotistical. You don't want to be egotistical. You want to have a good, solid, you know, psyche, a good core, a good ego, a good who identity of who you are so so bringing that up is is again it's to have that that fortitude that a, that a little girl decides to leave her home country in europe after being dragged over all these different countries bouncing around with different people and different cultures with her father being an important diplomat and then jumping on an airplane and going to a faraway place across this great big ocean, I was going to say almost never to return, but you did. <laughs> I did, but just very recently. So <laughs> I have been there like for most of my life. Uh, well, you know, there there was your pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, so to speak. But uh, it does take tenacity. And you've, you've mentioned a lot of points that uh, I think people should pay attention to. And that is self-determination. Don't give up when you're at the threshold. Take that step through it and find out what's holding you back. I love that. I've, I've never had anybody articulate it so well as you have to say you're manifesting, if you will, your own blocks or failure or challenges right now and learning about them. That's just like take the handcuffs off, right? You're free. Exactly. Very well put. Yeah, exactly. What a beautiful uh, you know, imagery. Yeah. Yeah. But take you the did handcuffs it. Off. You did it. Yeah. 
I've used that one in other lectures I've done myself. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's just coming back to mind listening to you. I, you're you're a delightful person. You're a courageous uh, lady, and I'm not flattering you. And you have this book now. When you said it's a long book, I'm thinking that's a lot better than those little thin books that you buy for twenty dollars. <laughs> if you read the last page, you got it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about the chapters and and some of the things you've alluded to uh, in your book. I think it's important that people buy buy your book. Uh, Money does grow on trees, and then get it on Amazon. Do you have a website too, by the way? Or yes. Um, the English, we did create an uh, English website. It's uh, now.com That is I-K-E-A-N-D-E-S-R-A, now.com. Um, and yeah, the book is mainly sold on Amazon and, you know, some other book places that I don't remember the name of, but we don't, we don't sell it from the website. So Amazon would be the place to go. Um, oh God, there's so many subjects. I think again, um, well, how we manage me. the ego, ego is an important well, one. I think yeah. we have a very different perspective through our mentor that we've been taught that has been so, so helpful to us to figure, you know, to, to really become masters of manifestation in our own lives. Um, and that is to see the ego as a very grounding, very necessary function. Kind of if we are the ones creating the scenarios of our lives, I see that as like almost like a computer programmer that goes in and says, oh, money is a bad thing because whatever, you know, <laughs> because it takes away freedom or money is a bad thing because others will have less because of me and I don't want to be a bad person. Well, so you, know. you are the writer, you're the programmer, you go into the computer, you you put in the program and the screen can only show you whatever you programmed. It can't show you something different. And that's life. That's life reflecting our own belief systems like very precisely, without a mistake, straight back at us. And ego is the database. Ego is the part that keeps those belief systems in place so that it can be experienced as a reality by us. If the ego disappeared... We'd wake up the next morning, I'd wake up and I wouldn't even recognize my husband because there isn't a mechanism to remind me that the one I've married is my husband. <laughs> so that's not a good idea to throw the ego no, is not a good be, idea. That would be a problem, I'm sure. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> But, you know, like uh, cliches come back. Money is the root of all evil. Uh, you know, uh, people always want more than they need. You know, there's there's lots of people telling you what you don't need and and, and trying to redirect your life, as you've said throughout this interview. And uh, having a good ego and having a good self-esteem also means having desires. Yeah. And it's okay to have desires. And what I'm listening to you is that you're really wise you chose what you wanted, and then you walk through the threshold. You know, you got on that plane. Uh, you went through that yoga studio. You met your husband. I mean, those are all things that take affirmative action. But you decided that without having a counselor and a coach and things like that to guide you. How did you do that? Where did you manifest that that ego, that self uh, self uh, the fortification? Where did that come from? You think? I think it came a lot from contrast. It came a lot from not feeling free. 
and not wanting to live that way. It came a lot from kind of like lack of self-worth and wanting to move towards worth. So, you know, I think people always complain kind of when we have a hardship in life. And yet those hardships, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way, but the hardships contain amazing gifts for us. The contrasts that those difficult challenges create, create then the dreams that we run after. So for me, my theme, I think throughout my life was my freedom. It was so important to me to free myself, free myself from, you know, patterns of society of how I'm expected to live or how I'm expected to be free from depending on other sources to create my life. I think I was always searching for my um, inner power. And I think now that you ask, I mean, uh, just now it came to me and actually this is in the book too, but I think I also had a near death experience when I was 16. Really? So I think, yeah, I think that also, yeah, (laughs) well, I was 16 year old, old and we were interrailing with friends or 16 or 17, just, you know, graduating from high school. And we were inter, uh, interrailing around Europe with my friends. And we were in the southern part of France. And we went to the beach. And there were red flags not to go into the water. And the wave seemed super small to me. So my smart friends, they stayed behind. And I said, <laughs> ah, I'm, I'm this Turkish girl. Nothing will happen to me. These are nothing for me, you know. And yep. just went inside the water. Don't, don't tell me no, I'm doing this. Yes, I, there, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's Estra's personality. Don't tell me no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Douglas, you got me. <laughs> um, and so I dove into the waves, and then there was this like insane undercurrent or undertow, oh, whatever it was, that just took me in. So I I was just like in this washing machine and just not like whatever I tried, I kept on going in the wrong direction because you get so disoriented. Was a I, being, I, guess you were in. I guess. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know exactly what it's called. And I just was holding my breath, holding like in this fear, knowing that if I dare open my mouth, I'm, I'm gone. Wow. So while I'm in this fear, all of a sudden I heard this voice on my right ear of like, I guess, a guide or like it was a kind of male voice right here as if yelling at me with a megaphone. And the word I heard was, this is the dream you're about to wake up, meaning death is the waking. Wow. So when I heard that, there was like such a kind of a flood of remembrance coming back all of a sudden where I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the dream. I'm going home. And as soon as I I was like, oh, I'm going home, forget about the fear. There was this excitement to kind of go home. I was completely relaxed. And the minute I got into that state of relaxation in my body, very quickly I saw moments like super fast moments of my life where either I either gave love or I received love. So oh I remember God. thinking thinking like, oh my God, this is the most important thing. This love thing is the most important thing. How could I forget this? How could I forget this? And then bam, I was out of the body. But it was still like a me, a consciousness, but of course way wider than anything I was about down here. And the frequency of love and the frequency of peace, and there was like zero fear, zilch fear, 
zilch drama, you know, if if let's say somebody was, I don't know, raping my beloved or whatever, you know, from that perspective, it's like, ah, don't worry. You know, it's just a dream. You'll wake up. No, no big deal. That's the perspective I know, there. I know exactly what you mean. You know what I mean, yeah? Yeah, they're okay. So that's uh, when you have a Kundalini experience and you get to that point where you're surrounded with love, you say, I've said that almost same words. You don't care about anything. So here you are. Were you floating above, looking down? Where? What happened? Or, we can hardly wait. Well, <laughs> Did you live <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. I'm I'm just a projection over here. Um, what happened? Um, what happened at that moment? That is an amazing spiritual revelation. It was such a kind of an evolving, like stage by stage. You know, it felt like longer than 16 years, whatever I was experiencing. After that whole, you know, love thing and, and this peace and this fearlessness, I kept on saying, how did I forget this? How, like, how do we, not just me though. How do we forget this? How do we forget this? Like it seems so ridiculous that we ever even have fear, like a tingle of fear in that perspective. And then I saw like little parts of me, like other parts of me, I could sense. I couldn't see what they were doing, but there were other me's around. Really? And then like it kind of expanded even more. And you know how they say all knowing, all seeing? That's how it was. I was all knowing. I had no question. I knew everything there was to know. I thought of my mom. I could see her like doing something in the kitchen. Like I could just shoot, project, see, and it was fine. Then I could come back and there was a sense of oneness. Then it expanded even more. I was me. I was the wave. I was the ocean. I was that crazy struggling body that had nothing to do with me, like a piece of clothing in the sea. And then there were the stars, the universe, and there was no I. At the very end of it, there was no even sense of I separate from anything. Then a separation started where in my brain I said, oh my God, what would it be like to live having remembered all of this and being like this, but in the body, thinking I could bring all that into the body. And as soon as I had the thought, bam, I was back in the body, another wave came. And like the movie Moana, it like brought me to the shore without me at all struggling. Yeah. And then, of course, I ran for my life and I was in ecstasy, like crazy ecstasy for three days. And then then I went right back to depression. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Oh, gosh. What you're describing is a place I've been. I call it the middle mind. You're you're aware of everything all in the same moment. And to a finite mind, how can you be aware of all these different things far away near and, and, and that, uh, that there's no time, right? You're just in a timeless moment, but that's an amazing experience. And you sound to me like you were on your way. And then for whatever reason, you said, why can't I bring this and live this way? And then you come back. And then like yeah. a hand, I can see the hand of God underneath you kind of, <laughs> you know, pushing you like a surfboard through the water up to the beach. Exactly. That's why I love the Moana um, cartoon, you know, because it's like exactly that's how how the wave, you know, gets her and brings her to the shore. And two things I really kind of, well, three, how we are all one, how we are all a part of that creator 
creation all is one all is mm -hmm. all is the same on on that bigger picture bigger level um death is a choice because clearly i was on my way out and clearly i was curious all of a sudden because i really thought i wouldn't forget everything that happened there i didn't i don't know if i would have come back if i knew i was going to again forget everything I just thought I wasn't going to forget. And I'm sure, like, of course, pieces of it remain that then shaped my life. Um, but, and also that nothing is an accident because most people would have thought like, oh, poor girl, you know, she went to France, she was having fun and, you know, she drowned had I gone. Mm -hmm. Actually, I kind of had a death wish prior to this. There was well, this constant thinking yeah. of, do I want to be on the planet? Do I want to be on the planet? I'm not sure if I want to be on the planet. And that's why you went in with the red flag, said, don't do this, don't do this. That, you know, that, that from a, 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 a an overview, that was all planned out. You were in a state of, from my perspective, you were in a state of, uh, I don't want to say depression, but just say imbalance. And you ended up at the beach that day. You ended up with that group of people. You ended up at that exact same spot with the red flags. You saw it like a bull with red flags, you know. Got to go to the fred. Got to go to the red, and as as they say, bulls are all attracted by red. You go in there, and then you hit a riptide, which is extremely difficult to get out of. You described it perfectly with the undertow, and then you have this voice whispering in your ear, which is usually an angel, and the angel doesn't say. They, they never say, you know. Uh, harps and angels whatever from my perspective my experience they say the exact words you need to hear oh. which gets you your mind focused on your the separation you're leaving and then you go through this big circle right back to the moment and you wake up with this amazing wonderful experience and even while you're doing this you have the presence of mind to keep your mouth closed <laughs> right? otherwise the whip drive would have pushed the water in your lungs and you would have died and then just like just like baby a baby being pushed up to the shore and then you have this amazing memory for three days that seems to be the length of time when you touch upon a, a, a kundalini experience or a middle mind experience shamanti sometimes people call it uh that you have this for three days and then you as I was indicating, you come back back to reality. Oh, really? I didn't. I didn't know that there's a three day thing too, because that's exactly how long mine lasted. And yeah, I always wondered, like, why three days? It you seems know? to be. It seems to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know, and then of course you're charged up, but you never forget. And you were reliving that experience. I could see your face beaming, and your eyes were looking. You know, like you were remembering those moments, moment by moment by moment. Terrifying, but elating, and amazing. And here you are today, thank God. And you, you're now able to tell people about these experiences. And, and and what I have, you mentioned it earlier, you have wisdom and you have to read your book. Then you have to do, I call that experience. And when you have wisdom and experience, uh, sorry, when you have knowledge and experience, then you have wisdom. I got ahead of myself there. So in this book, we have just a few minutes left in the interview. It, I could talk to you all day. I know, me too. I'm curious about your experience. I want to hear the details of that. Oh, uh, my interview is coming up. <laughs> <laughs> my, 
briefly, mine was a willful uh, attempt to meditate into a deeper state of, I call it quantum meditation. It was like the same state of mind that Edgar Casey and my mentor, Ross Peterson, entered into. And I understand there's another man, Paul Solomon, who did it. There's only about the four of us that seemed to be able to do this, at least up until this time. And so I was there one day and I had this experience where I could just feel myself as if I was coming, my feet and my lower body was coming, I was in a recliner chair, were coming up. And then I was only attached at the head, the rest of me was in, in, the, uh, in the air. And I had that same experience. You could have said, Douglas, your wife ran away with your best friend. Somebody just wiped out your bank account. Uh, Somebody took your Jaguar and drove it off the, the 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 cliff and somebody stole your motorcycle and and on and on, all the things, right? And and I, I didn't care. I did not care. And then when I came back, I still had that feeling, but I came back into my body and the same feeling was just a tingling, vibrational, pleasant, arousing, kind of wonderful, loving feeling. And it lasted for a while. Okay. Now, in my experience, I've met people who have had the same type of willful, doing yoga and other things, uh, willful kundalini experiences. I don't call it that. I just say, you know, you you arrived at that, that full self-awareness. And... Uh, I've, I've read places where if you've had once in your life, that's it. That's amazing. You'll know that there's no fear of death. I don't think you're afraid to die now, and I'm not. And other people had those experiences. You know there's an afterlife. If you have it twice in your life, you're really blessed. I met somebody who had it three times. And now they were spending the rest of their life trying to have it a fourth time. And I said to them, kind of cheeky, you know, like you're wasting your life now. You've been blessed. <laughs> you know this experience. You got to do something, not just go look for this thing. But anyway, getting back to my experience, I was about 24, 25 when that happened. Oh. And uh, I know, and I'm reliving it now, as I mentioned it. But I could feel myself come up out of my body. I was fully aware, but I was aware of everything. And so this is a this is a true experience that you're related, but this interview is not about me. It's about you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, I mean, tricked, it's, it's about me it's, into, you've tricked me into talking a little bit. Yeah, about but it. I mean, I was really, really curious, and I think yeah. I think the stories like this are important because you know, manifesting this, manifesting that is okay, wonderful, but all that comes when we reconnect, we remember to you know the vastness that we actually are, and it's about kind of coming out of the slumber and forgetfulness as if that's not the case. So I think it's really, you know, on the ball what we're talking about. Well, I wanted to tell you my experience, A, because you asked, and B, that you would know my experience and that the people listening to this interview, wherever they are in the world, will also know that we've shared this experience. And more than likely, a few of them have already had this experience and they're like, oh, my God, what happened to me? Or, you know, yeah. with some sort of con uh, uh, mentor or, or counsel, yes. uh, they can they can hide this and cloak this. But uh, we're going to we're going to um, just a few minutes left. We're going to um, uh, um, get you to tell us again how people can get your book. And, and, and is there any 
anything is that you know i'm reading the uh what is a transformational coach what, what can you explain that you're a transformational coach or your husband is i guess too how yes, what happens yes. uh, and how what how do people well, come to see you and what happens well um they either you know take private sessions um and then they can you know come to workshops that are you know six weeks eight eight weeks long where they come to the long course where then they can become, you know, coaches themselves. And that one's about a year and a half long. This is um, your but business? It, this is your yeah. business? Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. And um, it's basically, you know, we teach in it, how do we raise our frequency? There's some like yoga aspects of it, but really what we love to teach people, show people is exactly what I've been, you know, talking about. Um, how they can manifest whatever is their dream and that it is possible. And it's just, they have to go in and find how they're stepping on the hose. And if they figure out the belief system or the reason that they're stepping on the hose, they pull their leg off the hose and everything flows. So this is the gist of what we do. And through that, you know, manifestations regarding relationships happen healing in relationships happen sometimes diseases go away because it's not just one thing it's really like with the with our consciousness that we work on but rather we we teach people how to work on themselves and i think that's very very important how do you because you're a wise being we're all act, actually wise beings although we might be pretending we're not so all the answers are within us and so when you can just get them to find go down their own labyrinths and find their own codings, their own setups. I mean, the level of freedom that comes from that is amazing. And everything changes with that. But they do need a mentor. They do need some instruction. Your book, yeah, of course. Money Does Grow on Trees, is a good place to start. So, yes, yes and, definitely. And if people do want to come for counseling, for life-changing mentoring, uh, how can they get a hold of you? Okay. Again, they can, yeah, they can get in touch with us from the website, www.ikeandesranow.com. Okay. Well, listen, this has been a wonderful interview. I Let's know, do it again so sometime. And, I would uh, love to. Uh, well, I wish you and your husband absolutely the best. We'll make it happen again. Uh, Thank you. You're a wonderful person. I admire your courage and uh you truly can teach people because you've been on the same path that they're on, only you're a little further down the path now. And that makes the best teacher. It's a pleasure to have you. My Thank guest you today much. is Estra Bogat. Uh, and she's in Turkey as we do this interview today. And thank you very, very much for being here. Again, stay tuned for next time. We have another exciting guest on how to make you more aware of who you are. This is Douglas James Cottrell. Peace and prosperity, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to Wake Up. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. And we'd greatly appreciate your review of our show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to let others know about the great content we're producing. For more about Dr. Douglas's self-development classes, books, and other related products, please visit his website, douglasjamescartrell.com. Until next time, we wish you all of God's blessings, health, wealth, and peace of mind.